In today's episode of the Sixers Beat, Rich and I talk about the Sixers' 5-0 road trip, which has moved them into sole position of second place in the Eastern Conference and given them the NBA's third best record since their 1-5 start to the season. We talk about how they continue to win without Joel Embiid and James Harden, the ability to overcome adversity that they have shown, and whether or not that changes our evaluation of their playoff chances. Enjoy the podcast. All right, welcome everybody. This is Derek Bodner, joined by Rich Hoffman on Sixers Beat, a part of the Athletics Podcast Network. How you doing, Rich? Derek, I'm doing fine. And uh, we're here to talk about the uh, the biggest story in Philadelphia yeah. sports right now. Oh, wait, not not the biggest, but but a good one still. Look, after every 38-7 playoff win, I am doing fine as well. But that is not the sport that we are paid to cover. It was great to come out there and beat down the, I don't want to call them the Giants. I don't want to call them a, a, any other name because we're appreciative of people of all heights and sizes. Unless you're mm-hmm. trying to defend the perimeter, then short people become a bit of a hassle. But outside of that, like everyone is unique and great. But they were certainly not the Giants last night. Uh, they were the the you know the average sized humans playing against a very good football team, uh, and that was great to see. It's great to see. Enjoyed it very much. I I love it when when our football team is like actually just way better than the other one yeah. it's awesome yeah <laughs> it, is, it is it is and as much as you might have had concerns about hurts and whether how much that would impact the game plan uh he put that to bed pretty quickly but yep hurts hurts and lane both playing yeah. is awesome yep uh what was the thing the other thing that i i just thought of literally as we're talking next weekend you got sixers nuggets on saturday and then a, a conference finals game yeah yeah or not a, a a conference championship game, not a conference finals. Yeah, wrong sport. Just, wrong sport. just one, okay. okay. just one game. The NFC conference championship game that is happening the day after. So, pretty good. Uh, I believe both of those start at three o'clock too. Pretty good. The uh, the, the older hours. I get, the more I mix up my cross sport references. Like for some reason, the number of teams in the NFL gets me every time. I'll say thirty teams, and I know that's incorrect, but it's just 32. a habit. I'll say thirty teams. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I feel your pain on the uh, the conference championship. Anyway, we have a Sixers team that just refuses to lose. They swept a five game road trip against you know none of them were necessarily great teams, but they were all pretty competent teams, and they went five and zero, including in some pretty adverse conditions. Swept a back to back, or at least the yeah swept a back to back. Played against the Kings without Harden and Embiid found themselves in just a, a huge hole to start. They really were playing awful bad, you know, with about two minutes left there in the half, like they couldn't shoot from the perimeter. I think they're shooting two for 11 from three being outscored by like 21 points or something from the three point line. We're losing the turnover battle, but like 11 to two, uh, they were getting just completely whacked by the Kings. They made it their mission in life to lose track of Harrison Barnes. Like Montrez Harrell could not defend the pick and roll. There was just nothing going right. And then everything just sort of like flipped. And over the next, I want to say about 14, 16 minutes or so of game time, they went on like a 55 to 25 run and took control of a game where it looked like they were completely out of. Got a little close there at the end, but they hung on and finished off that 5-0 road trip. The last one, like I said, coming without Joel Embiid and, 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 and James Harden, who were both out 
managing their various ailments. I guess taking a step back, because, you know, they have, I think there's been two games since we last pod, both pretty good wins. I thought the Blazers game uh, was one of their better defensive performances in a while, certainly their best defensive performance with that new starting lineup. So taking a step back, what's your overall takeaway here from this trip? The, the vibes are high, uh, and they're, they're playing really well. Uh, one other quick thing: I, I was just laughing while I was I was perusing Reddit before um, before I was getting ready to talk here. There there was a comment that said Doc could coach my old high school team to a second round exit. He could also coach the dream team to a second round exit. But that's uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's a variation it's, of your two seed, eleven seed observation from a while ago. Yep. Yeah, and that. Again, rang true. I guess, um, so, so my biggest takeaway from last night is that's a roster win. That's a, you have yeah. a good roster win. And Embiid and Harden being out, like, did I expect the Sixers to win that game? No, but it's not completely surprising that they are, are able to win that game. Because first off, the Kings are a team, they're good. They're, they're okay. I mean, the West is, the West is kind of stinky, man, by yeah. the way. Like, it's. You know, I, I know Bill Simmons was like, oh, man, this is going to be the biggest seven-game road trip in the Sixers history or whatever. But, like, honestly, they didn't play that many good teams on this road trip. They're better than these teams. That said, the Kings are pretty good, but they don't guard is their problem. So is it all that surprising with a team that just tries to outscore you? Remember when they came here and they had, like, a 12th or something-ranked defense, and we watched that game and went, ah, I don't know how the hell that happened. Well, it's, well, they, it's reverted a little bit. The Sixers have... Had eighty points in that first half. <laughs> yeah, they Where, are now. Yeah. I, they are now like I think about a bottom five defense. So it has definitely gone back to what we expect. But they still win a lot of games because their offense is is quite good. Um, and you, you saw why, right? Like Sabonis yeah. at the elbows. I I think they're one of the most fun teams in the league to watch for for both of those reasons. Number one, they score a lot of points and they they do it in a cool way. Like the Aaron Fox is just a legitimately cool and, player to watch. And they allow the other team to be exciting too. That's what I mean. Yeah. Everybody it doesn't matter who's playing and they just give up a bunch of buckets. So, you know, when you see Tyrese and shake, like have to ramp up their games, when you see Tobias have to ramp up their games, they can do that. They're, yeah. they're capable of that. Doc said it in his post game presser, Daniel house, who's been, you know, if, if you listen to a couple episodes ago, we didn't give him very high grade no. for, uh, for what he did, he gets in the game and he makes a couple threes, and it's legitimately Including one from like thirty-five feet at the buzzer. At the buzzer, that point was key. And look, he's their thirteenth guy. You know, their twelfth guy at this point. I guess, I guess him and Ferk are battling for that twelfth spot. Whatever, like, battling with air quotes. What you know, who cares? But he's better than most teams' twelfth guy is my my yeah. general point. And um, yeah, I mean that's that's a great win at the end of the road trip, and it, it just caps off. I don't know. It feels like the Sixers are, are kind of who we thought they were earlier yeah. in the season. They just in in Sixers fashion. We we said it after the first couple games, like and the and the first month, like, hey, you know, I don't want to overreact to this. There could be a time when we look back on this, you know, this early losing and kind of laugh and say, okay, that was a blip in the past. I, I I actually said there's a very good chance that could happen. Well, guess what? Now is that time. That was a blip. This team is good. Um, and you know, is it, have they gotten a little bit lucky in some of these close games that they're all going their way? Yeah, but, but that's fine. And, um, you get lucky throughout a season for sure. Yeah. So you don't go. So like to your point, since that one and five start, they are 29 and 12, which is the third most wins tied for the second fewest losses. 
and with a 5.0 net rating, which is fourth in the league over that span. Okay, well, you're talking about a you know a, a half a season stretch here where they've basically been third or fourth best team in the league. Yeah, you're going to have some nights where you get lucky, but they've also overcome a lot of adversity. And look, we can look at the schedule and still talk about how, oh, they've got the toughest schedule, strength schedule left in the league. They've had one of the easiest in the league. That's all true. And, you know, I think when you look at it, you and I both felt like they were going to reel off a lot of wins coming in. A lot of wins. And part of that has been because of the depth that they have to overcome some of these absences. So I give them a lot of credit. And I think part of the reason why us and maybe a, a, a lot of other fans, maybe the stretch doesn't necessarily change who we think they are in the postseason is because we all sort of foresaw a lot of regular season success. A lot of regular. I oh, dude, you got a bug on your shoulder. Oh, now it's on your back. Oh my God, this was, man, in real time, that was like the uh, the Mike the Mike Pence, the, the fly uh, thing, just crawling up. I mean, I, is I it, can't is it see, gone? I can't see now. It might be on your back. Who knows? All right. Yeah. Anyway. So, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. But oh, was, you completely interrupted me. It was but riveting. <laughs> it was like the Mike and... Pence fly thing. <laughs> I have to go back and watch uh, watch the video of that. Yeah. Um, but no, like uh, we expect them to win a lot. Now I'm, I'm watching myself in our own video to see if the fucking bug pops back up. We expect them to win a lot of regular season games, and they're doing that. And I give them a lot of credit because they've done that under pretty adverse circumstances. And it really does, like you said, roster win is a good way to explain it because they have so much depth, so many different scores, so many different ways they can execute offensively that they can withstand some pretty crippling losses. I'm very excited to see how that translates against the top teams and the teams. And really, like I, I felt like a lot of my concerns about the playoff performance coming in came down to James Harden and whether he could create scoring opportunities both for himself and others in the postseason against the best defenses. And that question's still there. But I think even more, it's the defensive side of the ball. And can they withstand some of the, I think the way you've described it in the past is predator wings. I'm very excited to see that in the second half of the season because they have probably, even with those high expectations, the way that they've played over the last month and a half has probably exceeded them for me, if for no other reason than the fact that they've been able to withstand these absences from the lineup. It's been very impressive. Yeah. And look, you, you just, you look up and down the lineup at the points, you know, Maxi. It's kind of like a it was a gutty effort from him. You know, he didn't have it early on, but he just kept attacking, which is good. And that's that's what you want to see from him. Uh, you know, he finishes with, you know, 32 points on 12 of 29 shooting. It's kind of like his rookie year. You know, that that's like the the numbers we saw in that uh that game against the Nuggets, that COVID game where he took a billion shots and they uh yeah. But uh so he was good. Uh Harold was good. <laughs> Reed, like again, the, the Harold Reed combo was again just good. You know, I know Trez struggled a little bit defensively at times. That's a hard team to guard, first yeah, off. Especially and, like when you combine Trez and his, you know, not great pick and roll defense, along with Melton, who's, you know, I think a good defender, but his one weakness is getting through those screens. Well, pairing those two up against that team is going to be a struggle. Yeah. Yeah. But like, look, look at their, their final lines, you know. 26 points on, on efficient shooting between the two of them and 14 rebounds. Like it's good work. Uh, Matisse, of course he, he makes the bonehead uh late foul, which he gets away with because Harrison Barnes only makes two of three. Uh, they, they got to just start teaching him like on those late game situations. If you put him in the game, just put your hands up, man. Yeah. You know, and he had some good moments before then defensively uh, and, and one really good finish on a fast break, which I had no idea he had in him. 
um, where he caught the ball uh, and was able to go up with it in one motion. But yeah, he's got to he's got to cut back on those. He's got to. You know, but we we can like look up and down the roster. Tobias, seventeen points. They ran some, you know, some of those bully ball isos for him, and he got some assists and got out in transition. Did a good job. And and I think honestly, the the, the real key, like when they shift down, when they are shorthanded and they win these games, the guy that I always go back to is Shake Milton. Like he's there's not a lot of 10th guys or he's above their 10th guy now. He's probably like their seventh or eighth man, but there's not a lot of guys that far down the depth chart on other teams. If you tell them like, Hey, you have the ball the entire night that are capable of producing like efficient offense, like, like he is. And you know, he's been really good on this entire trip. They've been running him with Maxi a lot on these bench units. So they just ran him, you know, to close the game last night. Now that Hardin was out. Uh, yeah, he's awesome. So I, I don't really have a lot of negative things to say about this crew right now. You know, they kind of, they timed their good three point shooting night. That, that was the thing. They, they beat the Blazers the other night. They didn't even need to shoot well from the three point line. Um, it's, it's an amazing trip. And I, I think I, I saw the stat on CSN or whatever they call it now. <laughs> <laughs> it's been, it's been a couple of years. It's been a couple of years. Yeah. It's, it's NBC sports Philly. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> man, I'm just like, I feel like such an old, I'm going to be like such an old person. I'm going to still call it CSN, you know, yeah. 10, 15 years from now. Uh, oh, it was their, uh, it's the first time they went 5-0 and or better on a road trip since 1984. It's a long time wow. ago, man. It's a long time ago. I wasn't alive back then. Yeah. So it's pretty good. That's uh, pretty good. That's pretty damn good. So I guess... Not to pivot to negativity, but does that change your opinion on on what they can do in the postseason? No, no, not okay. really. I but, mean, but, I, I think uh, I think Harden the way he played on this road trip is probably if yep. you wanted to look for what makes me feel better about their postseason chances, I would say it's that. Yeah, basically, and really, that's kind of the only thing. I mean, the the starting lineup working on defense. By the way, they did. Uh, I guess we didn't talk about that Portland game. They did an awesome job on Damian Lillard, even yep. if the Blazers kind of stunk. They also, by the way, they stink. The Blazers, they're just not very good. <laughs> they stink, but they had been playing pretty good offensive basketball coming up to that game. Uh, and Dame specifically was, av- was averaging like thirty nine per over his last six or so games. Uh, he definitely had an off night. Like, what do you shoot? Like three for thirteen from three. Whenever you do that, you go back and rewatch him. A lot of those were pretty clean looks, but they definitely played. Probably their most connected. It, and it really seemed like their rotations, um, their decisions and communications on switching. And just the fact that a lot of different people held up on those switches. Like, I thought they got pretty good performances up and down the roster. I even saw James Harden fight, try to fight through a couple of screens on the perimeter, which legitimately, like, made me, like, audibly guffaw out loud. Like, it was pretty uh, a pretty impressive defensive performance, even if you acknowledge that they also got a little bit lucky. They did. Uh, I thought Melton and Matisse particularly did a nice job getting around yep. those screens. Uh, and I thought Joel and uh, even Trez a little bit did a good job. You know, they, they were hard. They weren't hard hedging, but they were they were way up on those screens. Yeah. They were at the level, basically, um, just not allowing Dame to beat them. And I thought, you know, that, that also means the other three guys are connected. And I, I just think that's a good sign for where they are in terms of like, that's not their usual game plan on defense. But the fact that they can go out and execute that on a moment's notice is good and, and play one of their best defensive games. I think the fact that uh, 
they could be without him being Harden, and they could just say, okay, we'll just do our uh, spread the spread the court, drive and kick, play fast type thing, and execute that on a moment's notice. Because Doc said that they were. Uh, this is the one. Of course, this is the one game on the trip I didn't go to. Uh, you said that Joel and James were were a late scratch, both of them. I I feel dubious about that. I feel like mm. that's kind of a they they might have had an inclination on that, but regardless, like the fact that they can go out and execute that, that's a good sign. It just shows, and you know, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to stoke the fire here, but it shows that they're uh, they're a pretty well coached team right now. I would argue. Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! Send hate mail to r Hoffman at theathletic.com. No, I'm just <laughs> no, but it just uh, everything is going right for them right now. I don't even remember that's... if that's your actual email address. I should probably bleep that out. Don't need people spamming you with. No, me. I put it. I put it on Did on Twitter. Okay. And it is my email address. Okay. You got it. That always annoyed me at The Athletic, by the way. They pretty much like let you pick your email address. So there was never any kind of common format. Like I was Derek.Bodner at The Athletic. You were R. Hoffman, first letter, Mm. last name. You should be able to like sort of figure it out just based off of the format. Mm. Every other place I've ever been at, it's been one consistent format. Anyway. I didn't know you had such deep thoughts on. I used to be an IT guy. There you go. I used to manage email systems. Among very many other jobs, and another layer of the onion is peeled. <laughs> oh, I have, I have, I have pretty strong opinions on a lot of tech things, including you and stinking Apple users. But we'll we'll avoid that one. <laughs> I'm, that's a losing battle for me, but I will not ever give in. <laughs> you hate it. Watch through the chagrin of all of the group techs that we are in. Follow us on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> yes. No, please do. Uh, Apple Podcasts is the biggest distributor and it really helps us. Also, leave a rating or review if you can on that godforsaken platform. Anyway, <laughs> what were we talking about? Just everything's going right for them right it now. I, I just it think, is. you know, they're a lot of really good individual performances, but the the team, the collective is is fine. And I, I'll tell you, like somebody who's in their locker room after all these wins, it's it's a happy group right now. Like it is, you know, from from George to House to... Tyrese and Shake, all these guys there, Joel, they're all in a good mood. Except Joel, except when he's talking about uh, Hakeem Olajuwon. <laughs> which is funny because that was like his idol growing up. The guy he emulated his game after. Uh, which And also funny, he's praising Jokic while saying Embiid shoots too many threes. Their three-point percentage is pretty freaking close to the same. Now look, Jokic forcing you to guard him out there, opens up passing lanes, blah, 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 blah. There's a difference for sure. But... uh looking at Joe's historic scoring season in terms of efficiency and being like, you're doing it wrong is a weird take. It, saying you're doing it wrong is, is bad because like, he's like, yeah, Jokic, he's the post-up guy. It's like, no, he does a lot of stuff. What do you mean? Like yeah. post-up, like he brings the ball up. Like he shoots a bunch of threes too. Uh, and it also, by the way, that's just like, that has to suck for Joel. You could tell he was mad because he brought that up. <laughs> He brought that up, and I, I had an inclination because I had read the Sports Illustrated article earlier that day. I had an inclination that he might have seen it because he sees absolutely everything. And of course, when I think Gina asked him, "Hey, like the doc talks about, you know, you working at the elbow and all that stuff," and he goes, "Oh yeah," he's like, he's basically like, "Oh yeah," and Hakeem Olajuwon just said this the other day, and it was yes, he didn't call him out by name. But he goes, these these old heads, I think it's funny that they uh, they think it's the 80s and 90s and you got to post up. They don't have any basketball IQ, those guys. <laughs> the whole quote's on my uh, on my Twitter. But that is essentially what uh, what he said. And I, 
it is something that we have talked about recently too, where it's just like Joel can't get a break. Like the fact that Hakeem Olajuwon, his idol, goes out of his way to be like, "Yeah, Jokic is the guy," but Embiid's doing it wrong. What are you talking about? What? Is, ugh. Yes, he's averaging thirty-four a night on a sixty-four percent true shooting. Like, come on, Hakeem, what are you talking about, man? What? Seriously, like I, I kind of don't. I I don't like the inferiority complex that some people have. Oh, they all hate us, the national media. I got to say, I do see it sometimes where I'm like, all right, all right, what, what is with this shot? And it's not yeah. national media. It's just Hakeem Olajuwon. What, why is Jokic just getting a ton of praise from this guy? And Joel's like, yeah, he's not doing it right. What, what are you talking about? I'm sorry. I felt what Joel is yeah. annoyance with that one. No, I mean, it, there's definitely a lot of people who have it very stuck in your head that if you are seven foot two, I'm still calling him seven foot two because the whole shoe thing. If you're seven foot, 300 pounds, you should be destroying people inside. And especially because he can destroy people inside and he does it more than anyone else in the league. But there is still very much a view that that is the way that you score. And even if your scoring is higher and more efficient than it's ever been, if you're not doing it the way that I think you should be doing it, it's it's pretty amazing. And I, 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 I do think he will succeed, has a better chance of succeeding in the playoffs and translating that to playoffs than his previous styles. It's a sort of a shame because every time he gets in the playoffs now, he's getting his freaking eye blown up or something. Uh, but I really want to see how that translates. I really want to see. That's what I mean. I, I basically had a tweet after Joel's tweet being like, look, this is why he said it. He just he doesn't post up because this is how he interpreted the rules over the years. And until they change the rules, like I, I think it's really hard to, to argue with the results. Uh, and then you get all these people being like, what results? He hasn't done anything in the playoffs. It's like, dude, he's doing this because of the playoffs. That's why he's doing yeah. this. I get it. It hasn't worked out. Also, like, be honest with yourself. Have you seen a post-up center win a title? Like, or even sniff, get close to a title? By the way, the answer is no, not recently. No. And then the second one, like, have you seen what's happened to Joel in the playoffs? Like, like, do you think it's all post-up and, you know, attitude? No, no, man. He, he has a ridiculous injury happen to him every single playoffs. Or Ben Simmons forgets how to play basketball. One of the two. That's all. Yeah, 100%. 100%. But right, like, so let's, but like that's that's how you know things are going good. He's just like he's ripping Hakeem. They're winning. You know everything's everything's going good. Sorry. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner StubHub has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over twenty years, providing a one hundred percent guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events. The widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. As you all know by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using the BetMGM lines to make all our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use the bonus code TABasketball and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic. Plus, up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code TABasketball. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game. Claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, 
Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada, 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. In partnership with Kansas, Crossing Casino and Hotel. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone else close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, and Utah and other states where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use the bonus code TA Basketball and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager. So we've now had a couple of games to see the new starting lineup in action. Not previous one against the Kings because everyone was out, but a couple of games here. What have, what's been your overall thoughts on the rotations, on the lineup combinations, and how Doc is handling that, or maybe any changes you think they should make? I'm curious to see how it looks when they start to play these guys heavier minutes because Doc has gone all bench a lot recently. Yeah. Now, all bench now includes Tyrese Maxey, whereas yep. all bench in the past was like punching yourself in the face. So it's a little more tenable, but I do. that's my one sort of like complaint. I think there's too many minutes with Trez or Matisse, but without Harden. Maxi is carrying that bench lineup with those two in there. I think a little more often than he should. I like to see those staggered to have uh, Harden there to create for them and make them a little more viable uh, so they can at least overcome some of their deficiencies. That is my one. Like, I'd like to see that juggled a little bit. It's definitely a different element when Maxi is... uh is running the show on those second units because it's it's like you said he's almost like he kind of reminds me of Bones Highland the way the Nuggets use him where it's just like or or like kind of like old Jamal Crawford teams it's like just get buckets by yourself man yeah and you know what yep. he's done a pretty good job of it but yeah and Trez helps that because he still has a little bit of gravity when he rolls which helps Max going to him for sure he does but it's like you said when Harden is in there and he's at his best that feels like a more cohesive five man unit it doesn't look like five guys defending and one guy kind of playing offense. And it's not to say that Maxi doesn't get other people involved because, uh, you know, Shake is playing on those units. And like I said, Shake is playing just like really solid basketball. Yeah. Pretty, pretty much whenever you nope. ask. And that was a perfectly timed uh, Melton and Maxi piece you had because they came out and were very key in that run in the late second and third quarter against the Kings. Yep. And uh, yeah, like you had it. They basically also, if you notice to the Sixers, this team, when they get, unless it's the Pistons, when they get up 20 points, it's like, it's like fuck around time. It's like, they just say it after the game. They're like, it's human nature. We we just like let our foot off the gas. I'm like, yeah, I see that every time. Now, to and, be fair, so far this year, most of the time when they fuck around, they don't find out. They've avoided most of the, <laughs> the big collapses. But yeah, you're right. And you know who didn't avoid the big collapse? Or yeah, didn't avoid the big collapse last night. The Sacramento Kings, which yeah. it does go to show like. Other teams blow leads, too. I, I know it feels like Doc Rivers is blowing 89% of the leads in the NBA, but it, it does happen to other teams as well. And the the Sixers coming back from, what was that, a 21-point deficit or 19? I forgot. what. what I think it, it was, was 21 in the second, yeah. It's a lot. Of, I mean, that's, to your point about Doc blowing leads, like so much of the narrative is driven by what happened. And it's a lot like the team where so much of how we feel and the narrative around it is driven by what's happened in the playoffs. You know, if the Sixers don't blow, how many 20-point leads was it against the Hawks? Two, three? I forget. Mm. It's been erased from my memory. That's fair. You know, maybe these regular season ones where they almost blow it don't feel quite as dire. 
And yeah. also there's more history with Doc too, obviously. But that that the Atlanta Hawks series is just it it's tough. It's still it's, tough it, to this day. It's a bad one. <laughs> it's it's definitely on Doc's record. Oh man. God, we those podcasts we were doing after those games were just were unbelievable how angry they were. Those podcasts, the reactions sitting there in the stands and game or in a well, we were in the stands at that point because it was it was COVID and we were in a different spot was uh was pretty dire. It's pretty dire. Yeah, I mean, ooh. Game five, Whew. game seven. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's let's not. Uh, we don't have. A, we get one. We get we get a positive podcast, and we're now talking about one of the darker times in recent memory. Yeah, uh, as far as the starting lineup, how it looks, I, I still would like to see more, but I don't. I don't know. It it looks good. I, I think, in fairness, that's a lineup we've seen a lot this year. It's their most played lineup with uh, with yeah. Melton because Maxi was out for uh, for such a long time. But I think Melton. He's a he's a nice fit with that group and like I don't know you see that Portland game he comes out and he's just he's ready to shoot you know like he's he's guarding Lillard on that one end and he's not a you know a shutdown two way player but it yeah it looks like it makes a lot of sense and with no. um with how Harden is playing and how Embiid is playing I mean Embiid didn't play last night Embiid is ridiculous right now it's just it's crazy yeah. how good he is he was below average against Portland and he still had thirty one points like. <laughs> It, was it Tyrese Max that played or said like if you score below thirty five, it's like did you even play? Yeah, that's what's where Embiid is, and you're right, below average thirty one. Going back to the starting lineup, um, you know, I think my you sort of touched on it there. My one concern is that even though this is clearly a better defensive group, uh, the numbers wouldn't say it right now, but I think it will come out to be true. But even though this is a a better defensive group, and I think you saw, you know, signs of that in the Portland game, in part because of the rotations were just better and crisper. I think you have more guys you can trust defensively because Maxi, even on top of sort of his physical limitations, isn't always in the right spot defensively. I thought Melton did a really good job. You're still sort of missing that, especially against the bigger wings, scoring forwards. If P.J. Tucker is not viable for long stretches, and P.J. Tucker didn't score a point in the last two games, 40 minutes to play, I think he took one shot. If it's tough to play him major minutes, I worry a little bit of, well, do you have someone who can really slow them down? Because as good of a defender as as Melton is, he's not really built to sort of be that stopper on those types. But again, that's why, you know, games against Boston, against Milwaukee, games against these sort of apex wings, it'll be great to see how they hold up. That is my my one big question that even, you know, you've made a change to address the defense. Is it enough? Yeah, we will, uh, we will find out. I, I guess another guy before we uh, get out of here, that just deserves a lot of credit for the year he's having. George Niang is like, yeah, he's just super solid in his role. Like I it, thought, it, I thought that uh, that that run there in the second quarter was in part ignited because one of his threes finally went in. Sixers couldn't make a shot um, before then, but I thought he really got him going. Three by Niang, um, a uh, and one from Trez, I think, and then a desperation three by uh, House at the buzzer. And next thing you know, they were off and running. Yeah, and that's just a guy who, again, like we said, not the crazy biggest role for uh for him but he plays it pretty much to perfection you know like he's shooting he's shooting 42 percent from three this year on 10 yeah. threes per 36 that's yeah. awesome crazy that's crazy that's what this team needs they need yep. people to rain fire around their their main guys who you know have all the firepower so uh yeah look things are going good for these guys right now and frankly you know i look at this schedule Nice week for them coming up where no no Durant on the Nets and then a fun one against Jokic and the Nuggets. 
They should keep winning games, man. <laughs> Speaking of raining fire, have you checked in on Isaiah Joe lately? Oh, come on. He has dropped 44 points over his last two games, shooting 45% from the field, 45% from three on a team that is challenging for a playing spot. All right. We'll see. We'll see at the end of the year. I was always an Isaiah Joe fan. Uh, I always thought his shot was eventually going to come around. He's playing good basketball. I had to get that in. It is a shame. I'll tell you what, because we are coming up here to the trade deadline, which is in like, what, a little over two, three weeks, somewhere in that range. If they end up just ducking the tax... That's that's not going to sit well. That it, like I at the time when you cut Joe and Bassey, you said, "All right, if they feel like they need a little more flexibility to stay under that, that hard cap, so they can pursue trades, great." But if it was just a duck tax, I will be pretty disappointed and pretty vocal. All right, there we'll there, see. There it is. And by the way, get ready to do that. <laughs> I think I think they could be looking to duck the tax. I agree. I agree. We'll have plenty of time to talk about repeater tax, which is maybe the least fun thing to talk about here on podcasts and writing. I don't think we're going to have to talk about that. <laughs> well, no, but I mean, ducking repeater tax. Well, yeah. it'll come up either way. It'll come okay. up either way. That's what I meant. Okay. He's an NBA player. I'm convinced. I'm convinced Isaiah Joe is an NBA player. I, I, you know what? I've talked some shit against him. I, I will say. Shooting high volume off movement. And, and look, find on, on a real team, unlike Bassey too. Yeah. A, a real team. Anyway, he was not going to be the difference between the Sixers and a title, but it would have been nice to see him play a little bit with Harden and Bede just to see what his gravity could really bring. Look, that is a, this that roster is a, was, that's an old, old topic. Old to- he wouldn't be getting minutes here. I know. This I know. roster is good. I mean, Isaiah Joe was like the 14th guy, and he's obviously an NBA player. So Might, might be a better player right now than Dan House, I think is, is where my <laughs> argument would come in. But anyway, fair. don't need to... Man, even on a positive pod, we pivoted to the Hawk series and to cutting Isaiah Joe, you, which you, one of them was obviously way more impactful than the other, but we still pivoted. Okay. Anyway, no. be, be happy with your team, everybody. And the Eagles. Go Birds. Go Birds. Thanks for jumping on, and we will talk to you soon. See you, man.